Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics and Pop Culture Podcast, coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, here we have for you episode 267, wherein Graham McMillan and I blab about Captain Marvel the movie, Avengers No Road Home number 6, featuring Conan the Barbarian, Bloom by Kevin Panetta and Savannah Ganusho, Batman 67, Invisible Kingdom number 1, both volumes of Royals, our continuing saga of reading Finland Saga by Makoto Yuki. Kimura, and much, much more. Comments on this episode are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. Send us your questions at waitwhatpodcast@gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Graham McMillan, hello. Hello there, Jeff. How are you? Oh, I am both spick and span. And yourself? You don't want to be... Like, imagine someone's like, I'm Span. Right, exactly. And also, saying you're Spick, I feel, is amazingly offensive. You're right, absolutely. All of a sudden, it's like, this is A, offensive, and B, like, I mean, unless I'm in a Luke Cage comic from, like, 1976. And even then, I don't really have an excuse. So, yeah, no, you're right. That is... Uh... This, this just... Uh, we're already getting completely off topic and i'm not apologizing um i have recently started watching project runway on hulu to decompress wow. it is amazing for that purpose i'm right. not i'm not exaggerating i'm not uh being sarcastic i'm not being ironic it really does honestly like calm me down um but there's one episode where someone goes um so-and-so's designs are uh, are very african inspired and then looks off camera and goes can i say that is that racist <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, television uh, it's wonderful yes it is although i gotta say i can't get down with the reality tv tropes like you know like i watched a little okay. bit it's of survivor and the apprentice you know and uh so i'm i'm sort of familiar in them but we just sort of stopped watching and now like when we're in a hotel room or something or we try or even try and watching something like the Marie Kondo show on Netflix. There's just all the, the 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 sort of editing of the manufactured drama. I assume they do that in Project Runway, since it's a reality show. Yeah, it would course. be nice if not, but yeah. Well, I mean, it's, uh, do you watch uh, the Great British Bake Off? No. Really? For some reason, I thought that that would actually be really calming for you. Yeah, yeah, no, and I remember you talking about it and talking about loving it. And for whatever reason, maybe you guys were watching it before it became came to Netflix, and then when it did come to Netflix, I was yeah, because like, it was on PBS for a while. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we can watch it now, but for whatever reason, we just have not. I think again, because there's e- even if it's the nice reality sh- TV show, there's unless it's like seven hour long norwegian slow tv where it's just you know we're we're watching water drain out of a bathtub you know and then run out onto someone's front lawn it just doesn't to me it just doesn't it it all feels so um manipulative that i just i just i don't feel comfortable yeah sure so what what do you think of slow radio have you gotten into slow radio yet i have not is that where they take all the tunes and play them at like a slower speed that's exactly what it is jeff no it's it's it was a big thing in the uk i want to say a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. um where it was people just like 
going on walks and just doing like audio recordings of that. Mm. And like it's not, you know, a narrated walk. It's literally <laughs> for like an hour. And apparently that was that apparently that was like a really big thing again in Norway or or, or yeah. some Scandinavian country. Right, right. But like those shows would last for like seven hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. I got to tell you, I know that the, the uh, particularly the Patreon audience is tired of us promising ridiculous Patreon extras. But but man, what I would give for like you to do a full uh, imitation, full episode imitation, just that's three hours of you going. <laughs> You know, I, I okay. I, I'm going to say this to make sure that I do do it because I meant to do it for last week, and I've, I've just a, like a stupid work week. Um, I am going to put up how I do notes for Drock on Ooh, Patreon. Wow! Basically, because Jeff, have I ever told you how I do notes for Drock? No. I read it as a PDF, and then I draw on the PDF just by circling things. Wow! Vandalized PDF. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like I make, I write notes in a notebook afterwards. But I, have to, I think I'm actually going to just like take screenshots and be like, "Here's how I do notes for drugs." It's such a ridiculously complicated thing. That's great. That's really, really funny. Wow. Um. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Patreon people, you're going to get like the most weird process thing. <laughs> at some point. The thing you're that's welcome. hilarious is. When we were doing Baxter building, and it's happened with Drock a couple of times too, I take tons of screenshots, like, because I'm reading on my iPad, and I'm like, oh my god, this page, and oh my god, that page. And it never does anything. I Like, it just jams it, because of course you do the show notes, and I'm always like, why would I want to send Graham, like, you know, like, he wants to do his show notes his way. And it's always interesting, though, seeing, like, oh, my God, he grabbed exactly the same panel that I had in mind. Some of that, of course, is, you know, you're grabbing the stuff based on what we talk about, which exactly. is what yeah. struck us. But every once in a while, when you're, like, riffing or whatever, it's like, oh, of course he got that in. So Well, what's also funny, and again, secrets behind, like, process and everything, when I do the tumblr post about drock which mm-hmm. will appear like a monday after thing i've always grabbed those i've always re- done that before we record the episode oh really yeah I, I i've set that up on the friday before the monday wow so if it ever happens that way then you and i are just literally in sync mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i suppose in in sync because uh, neither of us are justin timberlake or any other member of InSync. i'm sorry i don't remember any of them was lance bass a member of InSync? i don't know i can't keep it straight maybe Maybe I guess he was in sync. I'm, I'm looking him up. That right sounds now. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so who yes. was JC Chazes? Was he? Was he? Yes, I believe he was also a member in sync. I just want to tell you that if you Google Lance Bass, the first prompt is Lance Bass net worth. Why is that true? I don't. I don't know. I feel like the number of times I start typing someone's thing, all anyone wants to know is net worth because it's usually the first suggestion after a person's name. It's like uh, according to Wikipedia, by the way, Chris Kirkpatrick, Justin Timberlake, J.C. Chazage. I'm really impressed by you remembering that one. Joey Fatone and Lance Bass. See, Joey Fatone. How could I forget? For whatever reason, I always kind of get them screwed up with like 
the Backstreet Boys, even though that, that well, I shouldn't, you know. Yeah, I want to say Backstreet Boys were before NSYNC. They but, were, but yeah. there was like a real brief period of overlap. And of course, not being a teen girl, much to everyone's dismay, I didn't pay much attention the first time through, really. So, yeah, J.C. Shaga is pretty – excited about it. oh a nice nice is that what you're is that how you're going to handle this what was that what here's the thing though i don't know if that's a backstreet boys song or an nsync song i know nsync did pop which is the one i like and they did the one where they're all dressed as puppets and that's pretty much the extent of my nsync knowledge wow this is great i really wish it was something that i knew all about because it would be hilarious to run down uh, let's the list see of, let's oh, look at their God, discography no. uh their albums are called NSYNC, No Strings Attached. That's the one where they're dressed as puppets, puppets clearly. Yeah. And Celebrity, which is where pop comes from. Mm. Singles, let's see, I Want You Back. Sure, tearing apostrophe up my heart. Here we go for the girl who's everything. Together again, you drive me crazy. That's the letter U. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Okay. Um, open brackets, God must have spent, close brackets, a little more time on you. <laughs> you open brackets, I drive myself crazy, close my brackets. Music of my heart with Gloria Estefan. Bye bye bye. That's their hit. Bye bye bye. Yes. Yeah, that's it. And yeah. It, it's going to be me. I feel like that might have been a big hit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never stop. But this, I promise you. Pop gone. Girlfriends featuring Nelly. There we go. There you go. <sighs> a now, discography now, of the gods. Yes, it's it's classic stuff. Everyone remembers. In sync. I mean, do they? They do. They do. I mean, they don't necessarily. I mean, that's one of the things that's great is you can hold up pictures. Also, Justin Timberlake is so much more successful that it's kind of like sort of by dint of his continuing success. Like you're like, oh, right. Justin Timberlake who's in that band with those other guys who are. Nah. Yeah. OK, I got it. And then every once in a while, there's like Lance Bass publicist does like three extra lines of blow. And suddenly there's a story like Lance Bass is going to be the first man in space, you know, or it's like Lance Bass is drilling to the core of the earth to discover ice weasels, you know, and you're just like Lance what is Lance Bass's net worth? Maybe that's why everyone's Googling. Why does he keep, I just, I, to keep ending up in these stories? What, a, I mean, what an amazing first Google prompt. Indeed. Right? Legitimately, what an amazing first Google prompt. Net worth. Yeah. Yeah. Although I have to say, I'm always uh, suspect about these things. Uh, Cause I feel like it's some new way to, to, you know, for hackers to discover your passwords. But did you see that, uh, that little meme going around earlier in the week where you uh, type in Florida man and uh, I your did. birthday? Hang on. I didn't do it though. Oh, you didn't? Wait, you type in, where do you type in? Florida uh, sorry. Man? Into, into like Google. So you type Florida man and then just don't, I, I don't, maybe you could do the year, but I think it's better if you just type in the, the, okay, let's thing. see. Um, oh man, well, Google's completely screwed because the first ones that come up are like a list of, of the Florida man challenges. Oh, really? When yeah. you just type yours, when you type it, cause mine gets Florida man gets stuck after climbing down 30 foot well for bragging rights. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not working for me. I'm going to okay. I'm going to search for Florida. Yeah, no, it's it's. I'll never find out what sort of Florida man I was. I was too late. Wow. Let's see. But I can I can go to a newspaper and it's got a list of no. The only October ones they've got are October first, October fifteenth, and October sixteenth. Wow. Yep. I I'm never I'll never know what Florida man I was. Okay, hold on. I'm okay with that. What what date what day is it? October fifth. 
October 5th. Yeah. Hey, oh, I can't believe that. Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. Which Florida man? Wow, everyone. Okay, the first one I, down I, there. I think it's been Google bombed. Well, sort of. Like, if you five down, once you get past the Florida man challenges, you're you're like Florida man arrested after threatening to kill Democrats who vote no on Kavanaugh's confirmation. <laughs> oh, rollicking. <laughs> oh, yep. That's Florida, man. <laughs> wow, I'm so sorry I brought this up. Hey, so let me pivot for a little bit since we're talking but about yes, new pivot. stuff. Let's do it. Um, uh, you had mentioned Drock and Process, and of course everyone who follows Drock closely knows that the most important uh, member of the Drock team is <laughs> Vord99, who, who followed, is on up, fire in the followed right up with another astounding set of comments. People who listen to Drock, you really should um, uh, go go see it. So, and in fact, I'm I am like maybe maybe it's like comments from Vord99 will be like our little like opener section of each episode of Drock. But that being said, when I wrote him and asked him if uh, we could if I could read his comment on air, he was like, yeah, absolutely uh, not a problem. He said, however, I'd be really interested to hear if Graham has any thoughts about dread as it relates to British national identity from the perspective of a Scottish expat in the U.S., because right now everything for me is about Brexit. Look, everything for me is about Brexit. <laughs> yeah. Can we, can we just talk about that? I am in this really weird position. Uh, people who don't know this, Jeff and I record the podcast on a Saturday night. Yeah. Um, you know this, Jeff. Like, I am a news junkie. Yes. I have actually purposefully not looked at any news today because I got weirdly overloaded with the one-two punch of Brexit, just the meltdown, yeah. and the Mueller report being yeah. handed in. Right, I know what like, you mean. I literally was like, no. Yeah. Like, I'm going to literally check in in the morning right. and see, like, is the world on fire? Right. And the answer is yes. I'm done. Like, yeah. I'm stepping away for the day. Right. Because it was nuts. Every, yeah, everything for me is about Brexit. I, is dread about Brexit? Um, no? Question mark? <clears throat> um, as, as, a, as a Scottish expat mm-hmm. in America, mm-hmm. dread, we, I mean, I kind of touched on this in, in the Drock episode. Mm-hmm. Dread has never really been actually about America. Mm-hmm. As much as about American cultural identity as presented by America and viewed by people who do not live in America. Right. Um, and I know that you put forward the theory that like Mega City One has essentially become Britain mm-hmm. through, through the years of the strip. I don't, I don't buy that, Jeff. That's I, fair. I'm, I'm sorry. That's fair. Um, and because of that, I don't see dread as being about Brexit either. Like I, I don't, I don't see that connection. Mm. Um, one of the things that has happened to me, as someone living in the U.S., is I find I cling much closer to dread now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm much more uh, a fan of it. I'm much more interested in it. I'm much more interested in the nuances of, of it mm-hmm. because, in a weird way, it's. Mirrors is not the right term. Parallels is definitely not the right term. I feel that it is uh, in the same way that I 
learned to understand the country I now live in. Mm-hmm. I feel that Dread is, is, does a similar thing to entirely different ends. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I learned about America through American comics mm-hmm. and American media to an extent, but I mean, very much through the prism of American comics. Right. Um, I remember the first time I went to San Francisco and I was disappointed. Uh, it's like surreally by the fact that it didn't look like, like the New York of Marvel comics. Mm-hmm. You know, cause before that I'd been to America. I went, I was in Florida when I was a kid. I was in New York like a few years before I moved to, to San Francisco. But like New York obviously looks like New York. You know? Yes. Right. And San Francisco doesn't. And it was really disorienting to me. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. To arrive in, you know, what is clearly an urban environment, mm-hmm. but it's so outside of my idea of what an American urban environment was. Mm-hmm. And my idea of an American environment was very much informed by comic books. Right, right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I had to learn, I, you know, saying I had to learn American culture is, is maybe a bit grandiose, but, but not untrue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... It felt like, in a weird way, like what I, my process of learning, uh, and analysis and, and trying to understand and trying to fit in and trying to assimilate is the real world version of like the cartoonish dread version of like, you know, this is what America is. Does that make sense? Like I, I feel a weird kinship to dread mm-hmm. that I did not before I moved to the States. Mm-hmm. No, just, just to make sure because, uh, not for the reasons one might think of, you know, you, you, you're, you know, it's a pleasure abroad, but r- rather the idea that it's, it helped you learn to assimilate American culture? No, 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 it didn't at okay. all. Okay. All right. I okay. learned to assimilate American culture entirely separate from Dread. Oh, okay. I think if I'd learned to assimilate American culture through Dread, I never would have assimilated American culture. Because again, <laughs> American culture is not Dread culture. Right. At all. Yeah. Dread culture is very British. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, especially we're not there yet. But when you get like maybe case files, you know, six through eight, mm-hmm. uh, you start getting like recurring jokes or recurring characters and they're very British. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like Wagner and Grant were also doing Robo Hunter at the same time. And Robo Hunter again is theoretically, a, you know, a strip about an American hero, um, who admittedly moves to Britain. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, as an American, and it's it's the most British thing in the planet. Like uh, Strontium Dog, which is about a British character, mm-hmm. feels much more American to me than like Dread does. Interesting. I can uh, see that. Pretty much because it's mostly played as a straight Western. Mm-hmm. Like it's don't get me wrong, it's got the comedy, but it's mostly played as a straight Western, especially when Alan Grant takes over Shredder as uh, on his own. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah, there's something about Dread that is, that is like forever British. And when it tries to make comments about American culture, it does so in a way that is very British. Does that right. make sense? No, no, it does make sense. And, and interestingly enough, I was thinking, again, Ford 99 had talked about it. But one of the things that I was kicking myself about was he mentioned it. I had it sort of in the back of my brain and forgot to. But the whole the day the law died and the interesting thing about judge cal is well one of the many interesting things is is that the british my understanding of of britain and quote unquote english culture is there's a very strong 
um, uh, what is it? Uh, not empathy with the Romans, but you know, that sort of Roman empire is, you know, we've got this direct lineage that inspired us and sort of, Oh, the, there's a certain element of like, we were there. Yeah. Right. Um, but also, uh, I mean, especially compared with America, like you learn about the Roman empire in high school in the mm-hmm. UK, mm-hmm. you know, like I was taught Latin. Mm-hmm. Right, right, which is crazy to me. That's amazing. no, which is nuts. Like I, yeah. I, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to work out a year in my head. It would have been like eighty six, eighty five, and I was still being taught Latin, which is nuts, right? Yeah, that is like, genuinely insane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but there was there's this weird identification with the Roman Empire, mm. right? Exactly, and so the way in which. Uh, that arises with Cal and also the way that Cal I realize uh remember when I was bitching about a little bit about how Judge Slocum I felt like he kind of dies in sort of an indignant way like I wanted a better showdown between him and Dredd because Slocum really was the guy who was sort of playing the you know uh, maneuvering behind the scenes after we stopped talking and I was thinking about it some more I realized oh wait no there's a clear like weirdly enough, Judge Slocum and Walter the Wobot are the ones who have their showdown, and it's a very deliberate showdown between the two of them that Walter ends up winning because, of course, Slocum oversteps his bounds and literally ends up being pickled, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cal- <clears throat> Caligula and Dread are how do I put it? Are are funhouse mirror images of themselves for reasons yes, that yes. I, I feel that Vord ninety nine lays out super well in his comments. Again, I was like, oh motherfucker, we should just record half an hour with him beforehand. But anyway, so he wanted to ask you about that. I'm like, sure. I I told him that I didn't think we would get to it in the course of the drock since we had so much to cover. And and we didn't. Yeah. And also that was a very long drock. Thank you everyone who stayed stuck with us through that drock. Yes. It was it was very long. <laughs> yeah, I I'm curious we're still clearly working out the kinks in this thing. Um which uh, sounds 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 like a Brit reference right there. Uh so do you do you want to talk about Brexit or do you want to talk I'm like which disaster I, do, do, do you want to talk, talk about, about Brexit, Brexit no, or I Captain really Marvel? Don't. Okay. I really don't want to talk about Brexit okay. at all. Yeah. Because honestly, my feeling about Brexit a can pretty much be described as going, I have this horrible sinking feeling at every given opportunity by Brexit. Yeah. Like it's just it's horrible. Like mm-hmm. it's it's funny because uh, you know, Brexit happened and, and everyone I feel just got like depressed and understandably depressed about Brexit. Oh, of course. Uh, when when the vote happened. And I think there was some sense of, well, maybe it will like get reversed or sorted out or something. Yeah. Between now and the two years from now when when it's going to go through or or two and a half years. Right. Um, you know, when it's going to go through. And now here we are like you know, they've just kicked the can down the road for for two weeks. But mm-hmm. you know, it, the original date was was oh, like the Friday coming up. Yep. And and you know, it's a mess. It's 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 astonishing. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, it really is. Um, yeah, it's it's horrible. It's genuinely horrible. And again, as as an expat, mm-hmm. it's weirdly depressing. But you know. I'm in a country which is also making a mess. Well, see, that's it. It's funny how much Trump and Brexit are so uh, intertwined 
for any number of reasons. Um, but, you know, uh, certainly a great deal of depression and this kind of like, OK, but there maybe there's going to be some sort of magic undo button for yes. it. Yeah, maybe it's not actually going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's it's maybe it's just maybe everyone's going to wake up and decide that it was a joke. Right. You know, and with Trump, it was like, OK, well, just, I, you know, there's kind of that thing of as soon as the Mueller reports in, it's just going to like it's all just going to go away. And of course, that's not what's going to happen. I mean, who knows what else what will come from it? But it was clear. My, just My favorite thing about the Mueller report was uh, someone was like, here's a, like it's leaked. Holy shit, it's actually leaked. Like, I can't confirm this is the real thing, but it looks legit. And there was a link, and I clicked through the link. And at the first page is, like, you know, the the, the seal and, you know, all the information. And I was like, this is this is nuts. This is real. This is nuts. And the very next page is literally just the lyrics of All Star by Smash Mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well played. Well played. Uh, although part of me feels like... Uh, it. I sort of feel like it should have been never going to give you up, of course. Cause well, uh, yeah, but isn't Smash Mouth the new Rickrolling? I don't know. I, I don't feel know. like I've seen multiple people do Smash Mouth like Rickrolling recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's true. That is certainly true. Uh, no, so okay, so let's talk about Captain Marvel, which you have not seen, right? That is correct. That um, is correct. Have you not seen it because like it's just not worked out, or do you have no interest in seeing it? Um, I let's put it this way. I am completely bereft that I was not on top of things to get tickets this weekend to see the opening of Us, right? That's If I have a chance and an opportunity to get to a movie theater in the next four days, five days, that's what I'm going to see. Yeah. Then after that, I will see Captain Marvel probably. You know what I mean? Let, like it's let, just... me, let me save you the time, Jeff. Mm-hmm. You don't have to see Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. I would love to say, you know, you're missing out. You know, it, it does everything you want it to. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just, it's, it is at once everything you thought it was going to be mm-hmm. and yet less so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and it, and the thing is like, it's not even terrible. Mm-hmm. It's just not good. Mm-hmm. And it's all these small choices. The, the one, I can say two things very much in its favor, and I can say one thing very much in its disfavor, and one thing like mildly in its disfavor. Okay. Two things in its favor. One, Ben Mendelsohn is great hmm. as, um, as Talos, hmm. the, the villain. He's ridiculously charismatic. Uh, he's clearly having much more fun than anyone else in the film, apart from maybe Sam Jackson. Right. Uh, who's also very good, by the way. Hmm. Um, the casting is, is pretty much, you know, pretty strong, to be honest. Uh, with the arguable exception of Brie Larson, hmm. who is great. Like, I like Brie Larson a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem with her is, Carol Thumpers is a really shitty role in this film. Mm-hmm. Like, the writing is just not there for her. Hmm. And they try really hard to the point where they give her all these hero moments, which really aren't earned. Hmm. Uh, the one other thing in this paper is they never even attempt to call her Captain Marvel, hmm. which I think is really a good idea. 
you know, there's not even a point where someone's like, hey, you're a moral captain or something like that. <laughs> they don't even go near it once. Huh. Um, which I also find hilarious because I think that means that Avengers Endgame is going to have to go near it, which I love. I love the idea that they're like, Captain Marvel is a fucker of a name. We can't work out how to work at this in at all. We're going to stick on the, you know, the three hour long film. Right. That has 16 other characters in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there it won't matter because you'll be like, mm, you're, you're marvelous, Captain. That's what we should call you, Captain Marvel. And, you know, as the audience is going to grow and, like Robert Downey Jr. come out and be like, I'm going to die in an hour. And everyone will be like, ah, oh, Tony. And it'll be fine. They'll just get over that bump. Um, <laughs> other thing that is, is very strongly not in Captain Marvel's favor. Well, two things. Um, one, the special effects are shit. Mm. Like surprisingly bad at points. Mm. Um, whoever is doing their character animation because mm-hmm. they do a fair amount of like you know it's carol and she's flying through space but you know it's really clearly a cgi person but the problem is it's really clearly a cgi person what? like the special effects are surprisingly bad in points hmm. uh thing number two it has the worst music cues and music choices of honestly any film i've seen in a long time really really bad i mean sure i get that they're going for the 90s nostalgia but it's just terrible. And I'd say that as someone who likes a lot of the songs they use. But no song is used well. Not one. Wow. The music choices are terrible. The the big climactic fight scene is set to Just a Girl by No Doubt. Which Ooh. A, it's a terrible song. Mm. But B, they have done nothing to work it into that in work it into the film. Yeah. Like it literally starts playing. Mm-hmm. There's no like, you know, attempt at being like, oh, you know, maybe they hit something and it set off the song. No. And also with the editing is not even vaguely choreographed to the music. Mm-hmm. So you're literally left going, well, this is a bad choice. <laughs> well, it's, it also sounds like a desperate post-studio screening notes, like, drop it in. I, well, I, I saw an interview with um, the directors, and the directors were like, that scene, we tried about 3,000 songs in, and then someone played No Doubt, and it was just perfect. And it's one of those things where it's like, I believe the first half of that sentence, but not <laughs> But I can say qualitatively. No, 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 but, but like when you see the scene, uh-huh. you go, I can imagine they just tried every song they could think of. Right. Yeah. Because – and the, the problem is like the action is so generic. Mm-hmm. And that fight scene is like – oh, that's the other thing that is – I mean it is a problem, but I kind of feel like it's a problem with a lot of superhero films. Mm-hmm. They don't introduce anyone properly. Mm-hmm. Like, Jude Law's character's name is not said until maybe an hour into the film, Oof. and it's said by someone else in reference to him. Ooh, that's not good. Right? Mm-hmm. But, but also, like, I don't know what Carol Danvers' powers are. Mm-hmm. I legitimately don't. Uh, I don't know what, uh, at one point, Jude Law's character is, is fighting, and he's, I guess, using technology, mm-hmm. but I don't know what technology he was using, and I don't know if it was technology. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it's not introduced. Hmm. You know, more time is spent going, huh, Carol Danvers, her call sign was Avenger. That's how she inspired the Avengers. <laughs> that is on actually going, this is what Carol can do. <laughs> I'm not joking. That's, that's wow. classy, mm. Jeff. Mm, 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 mm. Um, but no, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Well. That's good to know. I uh, I appreciate it. I'm I am sorry. I'm also deeply unsurprised. I have to say, like I feel 
I have to. I feel like just about every Marvel movie that I've sort of seen or liked had a trailer where I was like, oh, well, that looks good. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, it helps, of course, that they release three or four of them. So chances are good. Eventually, one will come up that you like, you know. But Captain Marvel, all of them just I was like this. It, it just always it's funny how much to me it's like it seems very low budget and kind of it just didn't it didn't look that good. It, I it, have to say it. But. It's a film that feels like it's made by people who are very aware of that, like, they're making, quote-unquote, an important film, mm-hmm. but forgot to actually make a good film. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Um, which is, yeah, not good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's surprising, because I've seen a lot of people I uh, like whose opinions I respect, mm-hmm. who are like, you know, this is great, and it's like, it's not, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's it's not... It's Again, it's not that it's bad, it's just that it's not good. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe there's just elements of it that, you know, I mean, I don't know who you're seeing saying that, but, you know, my first completely and utterly sexist thought was like, you know, maybe these are women that you know whose opinions you respect. And there was stuff in there that that really worked for them or really spoke to them in a way that it just that probably wouldn't for you and therefore no no and and, and that's that's 100 percent uh you know likely possible whatever mm-hmm. but you know one of the things that is that seems very flop sweaty about it is that they spend a lot of time sort of going ah carol she's like a powerful leader and yet it's all show uh, telling and no showing right right like carol Danvers is essentially someone who lets everyone else do everything for her apart from she wanders in and glowers at people mm. um and it's it's a weird thing up until the end where like you know she has all the powers and you know only she can do this because basically she's the only person who has powers and her powers are whatever the story needs them to be right right you know and it's like yeah but character wise she's not earned this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh but it's you know it's fine. It's um, fine. What was really interesting was the audience I saw it with. Like I've I've seen, and it was in the, the Baghdad theater. Um, uh, and I've seen, like I saw Avengers: Infinity War there. I've seen Ragnarok there, like a bunch of Marvel movies there, right. a bunch of Star Wars movies there as well. Mm-hmm. And the audience is like pumped for these movies, right? Like right. really, characters appear on screen, there's applause. Right. That was not the case for this film. Hmm. Like, it was at the start, like, you know, the credit, like, you know, the movie starts and everyone's applauding. And you could feel the enthusiasm of the crowd, like, just... Just pop, dwindle. Pop. Yeah, that's a So, that's like, drag. you know, I'm not spoiling anything by saying, like, the one of the, the uh, credit sequences at the end is uh, an endgame tease. Mm-hmm. The audience reaction was like, huh? And I was like, wow, have you, like, have you weirdly dampened the enthusiasm of the audience? Like, you know, the big fucking finale for your story that's been going on for 10 years gets a, huh? Because that's not a good sign. It was really strange. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Sometimes you get that thing where everyone's so amped, like maybe the next Marvel movie that's out, which is, is, is it? It's, it's, it is Endgame. Yeah. It is Endgame. Like, maybe, you know, maybe it won't. I I can't imagine it not doing, 
you know, super well, but oh, maybe it's it won't. To be, like, yeah, I mean, no, you it is. think it's so, yeah. Massively popular. There's no, again, Captain Marvel's massively popular. Yes. Like, you know, insanely popular. It's going to hit break a billion. It's going to be the first movie of the year to break a billion. Yes, but sometimes movies. I I feel that sometimes um, some movies have the momentum from the previous movie and then use up the goodwill in the course of everyone going to see it, and the next movie suffers. Suffers. Yeah. You know, and I I can't imagine that really being the case here. Yeah, I I like I I would be shocked if i think if anything is going to be hit by by like marvel fatigue for one of a better way of putting it right. it's going to be the spider-man one that falls yeah i think i think that that's got a shot at i i, I think, I think spider-man right. too like legitimately has a shot at being uh the first movie marvel movie to underperform we'll see we'll see i mean i i can i can see that i it, it's definitely going to happen sooner or later but uh you know it's weird like Movies that are shot back to back, um, usually the last movie like underperforms and or, you know, the the goose that lays the golden egg is basically strangled. The Matrix, the Back to the Future films. I know there's some other yeah, movies that's really back to back. What's interesting is like, you know, both Matrix and Back to the Future, the sequels aren't necessarily good. That I will take your word for it. I actually never went to go see Back to the Future Two. It sort of seemed like people were into it, but uh, maybe not. Here's the thing, Jeff. I had not seen Back to the Future Two or Three until uh, someone sent me the Blu-ray. Like, Studio sent me the Blu-ray for the re-release like three or four years ago. Oh, really? And that was the first time I sat down. That's not true. I'd seen two, but I'd never seen three. Oh, okay. And I was like, mm, these films are not good. <laughs> But see, I, I, I liked I liked to a bunch, but I liked to a bunch for uh, kind of the same reason I like Bill and Ted, which is like they are doing something interesting with the time travel thing. Right, right. Well, see, and that's the thing. I kind of feel like people again, people are like, yeah, and then three, everyone was just like, and again, as you point out, the Matrix movies, not not there. It I I would be fascinated to hear. It really sounds like there was so much that was just kind of going wrong behind the scenes um not not least of which is just kind of the difference between there maybe there really is something to be said for having scripts that are in the production pipeline for a while and get studio notes and people knock them around and you know they end up sort of better and sharper than when someone's like okay go make the sequel you know and they're like okay i guess but then, sure. Uh, these, these, like, I, I, I think, um, arguably not Back to the Future, but maybe definitely The Matrix. I think suffer from that. Oh yeah, definitely. From, yeah. from like, oh yeah, we're making two films back to back, but we actually don't have a plot. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, what is the other trilogy that I'm missing, or the other two back to back movies that they filmed that didn't work out? I don't know. I wonder if I'm thinking. Can't be thinking of Superman and Superman 2, of course. That's kind of not what I'm thinking of. Oh, well, anyway, it'll come back to me because the point being, yes, everyone will go to Endgame. Everyone's going to Captain Marvel. Sooner or later, the Marvel movies will bomb. Uh, hundreds of people I, are losing I their jobs. Be, yeah, I kind of want it to be like with the X-Men movies. Mm, mm. <laughs> when they eventually make the X-Men movies, it's like, well, I guess maybe the X-Men just doesn't work on, in theaters and in, in movies. <laughs> 
Wait, why would you say that? They've made like six mo- They're really incredibly popular, you know. They're not good, but I mean, you know, those are movies that that although I guess I, I was meaning in the sense of like not good. Although the, the, it's weird, like it's one of those things where like they underperform compared with like Marvel movies, but they right. make a lot of money. Well, yeah, you know, this is this is the thing. There was somebody who commented on the thread when we were talking about you know the whole situation with Brian Singer, and somebody was like, I don't understand why anyone like why would they stand behind that guy and. I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, I mean, there's lots of reasons apart from just Hollywood close ranks, you know, networking and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, like, I think it's really easy for us, for me anyway, to forget kind of how much an anomaly uh, the X-Men movies were and to an extent Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movie. But I remember the X-Men as being like it wasn't good, but it was certainly done seriously and i remember people being really stoked about it i think we've talked about how poorly those movies age you know they just don't but also how bad they like up. i remember going to see it with my sister and i mm-hmm. want to see her, her beyond her boyfriend or fiance at the time uh-huh. like never her husband um and i remember like they were stoked and i was like that was terrible right exactly and so <laughs> that was also the moment where i was like i think i'm just not an x-men fan <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's true, Graham. I mean, it's such a good segue. I want to hold on to it. So when we start talking about House of X, Powers of X, Phone Books of X, you know, you we can actually oh, go oh, into that. Yeah, if, if we must. Yeah. <laughs> See, the the enthusiasm of a true X fan. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've, I um, I'm very... Uh, I don't know. All I can say is, yeah, at some point it's the, the axe is going to fall uh, on, on the Marvel films. There's going to be one that's going to break that sort of perfect record or whatever. And uh, and we'll, we'll really see what happens. Like I said, meanwhile, hundreds of people at Fox Studios are getting, you know, all sorts of oh, redundancies yeah, are getting cut. You know, people getting laid off and sacked and it's like, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, everyone was like, oh, Fox is bought, you know, Disney's bought Fox. Finally, all the, the Marvel superheroes could be together. And people who didn't care about that, but cared about anything else, yeah. were like, this is terrible. Yeah, this is, this is this a is disaster. Bad. This is really, really bad. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, and almost immediately, it was true. Yeah. Like, the layoffs hit almost immediately. Fox Searchlight got shut down entirely. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah, not good. I agree. Not good unless you're looking forward to, you know, um, some Marvel superheroes on the planet of the apes. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I, <laughs> I have. Stop. Oh, pa- uh, Pablo Hidalgo, the, the Lucasfilm guy. Oh, did he? A, no, mm-hmm. he had a great tweet the other day where he was like, uh, Americans took Japanese culture and like merged different series together to create, you know, like, um, Transformers or, or what's the, Mm, like Power the Rangers? An- no. no, yeah, but there's an anime. There's an anime with this like two different an- uh, cartoons put together to make one series in America. Oh shit! Um, it's a really po- Robotech. Ah, oh right, of course, right. yeah. Um, and he was like, imagine if Japan did it in reverse, and there's like one series which is Star Trek and Planet of the Apes, and like the six million dollar man. <laughs> I was like, and like. Doesn't that sound like the greatest thing? Yeah, it does uh, for me. Absolutely. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I have I, to get that sounds great. Yes, I wish someone had done that. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. Marvel, Marvel, Planet of the Apes. But like Disney, the fact that Disney now owns so much is nuts. Mm. Like there was a report after the after the sale closed that. Disney might turn Aliens into a television franchise because Fox is only going to be making four films a year and therefore we're unlikely to ever see another Aliens film. Oh my god. That's uh right? wow. Everything about that is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But like Disney now owns Aliens. Disney now owns Avatar. And I know that everyone makes jokes about Avatar, and don't get me wrong. Avatar is right there to make jokes about. Unobtainium for the love of God. But <laughs> everyone seems to have like culturally forgotten that when Avatar came out, people were nuts about it and it made so much fucking money. And I cannot genuinely say hands on heart that when the sequels come out, it's not going to happen again. Yeah. No, I agree. You know? I... So Disney might end up having like, you know, three absolutely massive outperforming everything else on the planet science fiction franchises at the same time mm-hmm. which is nuts it's genuinely insane to me yeah, yeah. like the cultural dominance that disney owns mm-hmm. is is terrifying yeah yeah no i'm not it's 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 not a thing yeah yeah yep uh i of course i'm like yeah they just need to buy a Pornhub, and they kind of have people almost from cradle to grave. You know, it's kind of. <laughs> but um, I can't. I sadly I deleted this email, and I I I wish I hadn't. I should have kept it. Um, the day before St. Patrick's Day, uh, it wasn't Pornhub. It was some other uh, like a a cam site or something like that. Sent out a PR email, which was. Here's how St. Patrick's Day affects porn viewership in the U.S. Was it U.S. or Boston? Because I swear to God, no, I saw some. It was. I, I might have like tweeted out part of it, mm-hmm. but it was the U.S. But it was like you know, basically, it most it most affects Boston. See, the one that <laughs> I like, saw were like, the stats like, for Boston, like, which was hilarious. And it was like you know, you know, the number of misspellings go up. Uh, like people are clearly drunk searching the number of searches for like ginger and leprechaun <laughs> could go through the roof. It was the most wonderful like breakdown of information. I love that sort of shit. But just you saying uh, Pornhub reminded me. It wasn't Pornhub. It was someone else. But I, it was one of those things where I was like, I'm not going to do a story in this. But I kind of wish I could do a story in this because this is just wonderful. Yeah, it's pretty great. This is just genuinely great stuff. <laughs> Like I love, I more than anything, I love that someone is tracking this shit. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I right. love, I love that they're like on St. Patrick's Day, as far as we can tell, you know, a third of all men in Boston get <laughs> shit faced and then come back and try and search for leprechaun porn, <laughs> but they can't spell leprechaun because they're so drunk. <laughs> That's wonderful. I love that so much. I agree. I absolutely agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's Jonathan Hickman's X-Men. There, there we go. <laughs> Speaking of leprechaun porn, time to talk Speaking about Jonathan Hickman's next project. Google. Yes. Oh, I see. Yes, yes. That's true, too. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, as we're recording, Marvel has just announced that John Hickman is returning to Marvel, uh, and he's doing two miniseries, House of X 
and powers of X. In both cases, apparently X is meant to be pronounced 10. Oh, we'll yeah. see. That could be a joke. Who knows? Um, but Marvel, hang on. This is the PR. You ready? Sure. After weeks of speculation from comic book fans around the world, Marvel revealed the next monumental chapter for the X-Men during this year's Chicago Comic and X- uh, Entertainment Expo. During Marvel's next big thing panel, critically acclaimed creator Jonathan Hickman, Fantastic Four, The Avengers, Infinity Secret Wars, announced two new series, House of X and Powers of X, beginning this July! Exclamation point. Ever since Stan Lee and Jack Kirby introduced the X-Men, fans everywhere have followed the extraordinary stories of the X-Men through seminal moments like Giant Size X-Men, 1991's X-Men Issue 1, Age of Apocalypse, and New X-Men. Each of these moments introduced a new era for mutant kind, and starting this summer, the worlds were experiencing net seminal moments in the history of the X-Men with House of X and Powers of X. We were excited to have John back in the Marvel family, and could, we could not have asked for a better creative team to help usher the X-Men into a whole new era, said Marvel Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sabalski, a.k.a. Akira Ishida. <laughs> While we can't reveal too much about the story just yet, these new stories will redefine the X-Men and their place in the Marvel Universe. You know, like every fucking single X-Men relaunch is supposed to do. Yes. This is a historic moment both new and passionate fans won't want to miss. These two new series, written by John Tenigman with art by Young Gun, Pepe Larraz, R.B. Silva, and colorist Marty Garcia, will build from every major milestone since 1963 up through the current X-Men series and storylines fans know and love, including some of Marvel's most iconic, iconic characters from over the decades. Each series will be released on an alternate weekly schedule, starting with House of X, followed by Powers of X. Fans will be able to follow along each, summer, each week this summer and witness history unfold. Is it just me? Or A, does it sound like Jonathan Hickman hasn't actually told them what is going to happen in the comic? (laughs) And also, is that an astonishingly boring announcement? Like, I'm I'm not a Jonathan Hickman fan. Right. I'm, as I said, I'm not necessarily sure I'm an X-Men fan. Mm -hmm. But that just sounds so like every other X-Men announcement. Well, yeah. It, it's I, right. perhaps telling that they promoted this just by, like, literally this week sending out an email where the subject line was Hickman. The only text in the email was Hickman, and attached was a graphic where the only text was Hickman. <laughs> See, Graham, you're ignoring the clues. It's all about the multiple man. It's all. It's all. No, that was, that was the uncanny. That was the last time uncanny X Men relaunch. Oh, was it? Jesus Christ! Yeah, what's wrong really with these was. people? See, I, I, I'm like, I think, I think, as we've talked about it, probably and, 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 and fact, like Death of X starts with Jimmy Madrox getting killed as well. Mm, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully it will yet again be Multiple Man. Um, uh, you know, I, I just, I think that we've, like I said, we've talked innumerable times about. The uh, I think the diminishing returns of like perpetual reboots, like trying to reset the status quo. I think at a certain point, you know, you can get yourself into that corner. I mean, admittedly, people are like, if you look at how many times, say, Captain America was rebooted before Brubaker finally started up. And then and then everyone's like, okay, it was all worth it. But. I mean, there is a there's a lot of. I, so for me, I'm not a fan of Hickman. I really, I don't I don't know if there's anything that I've read by him in full that I didn't 
sort of regret taking the time to read in full. You know what I mean? Like, the, yeah, I do. I, I liked so much of what he was doing with the the whole Avengers time time runs out. Even though there was a lot that I didn't like, but I was like, oh, okay, he's in there, he's kicking, he's got the ambition. And then at a certain point, I was like, wait, you, why did you just jump forward like eight months or three years or what the fuck is this? You know, all that other stuff. It, and then Secret Wars itself, I was like, hey, this is, wait, why? And then by the end, I'm like, wow, really? That's where we went. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not excited by that. I, of course, jumped off X-Men a long time ago. Like, my relationship with, with Marvel and what Marvel comics I read, shaky at best. So I'm, you know, kind of like with the Captain Marvel movie. I'm like, I'm not excited. But I, I feel like people on Twitter got really excited by the whole House of X, Powers of X, and the teaser image, where which has... Oh, did he? Like, I, 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 again, I haven't been on the internet, so I don't know. Eh, I, I, all I can say is people... People whose tastes aren't necessarily my taste, but whose opinions I respect are seem kind of into it. So, but that, but on the other hand, that's, you know, it's, it's so funny. I bring it up. I think it's just more interesting how much, uh, it really has that like Hickman by being one of the last remaining quote unquote architects at Marvel is, is you know practically you know sainted at the at the 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 amount of anointing going on with the the announcement is um i think for me just more of a sign of like wow marvel seems kind of backed into a corner that's how all of it just smells to me is kind of you know it, it does like i'm like the fact that they're doing a weekly summer event is part of me is kind of I I almost feel like it's a way for them to either turn around and be like you know we've made it a point to try and listen to the fans and and give them a you know not just endless mindless events but we really had a strong creator driven approach to you know this series and it failed because people were apparently weren't willing to buy weekly 499 books you know or whatever it is it's going to end up being priced as but you know it's just it it it, the whole thing looks um i don't know it just it it, i mean like i said not exciting to me and yeah there's sort of a certain clammy desperation to it that i think sort of kind of sums up where marvel feels like it's at in some ways um but I mean, I'm saying that as somebody who actually bought and read the the Avengers comic book with Conan in it this week. So, you know, tell me about that, Jeff. I am I am really curious about it. Mm-hmm. Also, I should tell you before we move on. I, according to Ryan Panagos on Twitter, aka Agent M, mm-hmm. um, House of X and Powers of Ten. House of X, Powers of Ten. Ah. Oh, that's very, that's very clever. That's very clever. Um, anyway, uh, tell me about Avengers No Road Home or No Way Home, whatever it was called. Yeah, it's Avengers No Road Home. It's like, uh, you know, 
the big the, the Avengers event that they are once again doing. They got Jim Zub, Mark Wade, and Al Ewing back. Maybe there's other people working on the uh, larger it's, thing. As, yeah, as far as I know, it's it's basically the creative team from Avengers and the Surrender, which I ended up really enjoying. Yes, yes. Um, and so the idea that I, they brought them back to do like sorry, I was gonna say that, uh, yeah that, that's i'm just going to drop very quickly and then move on just want to say for people who didn't read it it's all available on marvel unlimited now and actually works better if you if you binge it okay i i gotta admit i've been thinking about binging it because you had said good things and like you said it's all available so picking up no road home clearly a follow-up because uh voyager is apparently involved i only know that from reading the recap page uh and uh basically the the it's not it's not a self-contained little issue but i do have to give the one thing i do have to give them credit for is picking this up in god only knows what part it it did have a recap page and it did have that hickman style you know character bubble page where it explains like what characters are in what realms including the the actual villains the children of night and uh i uh, uh that's kind of about where the good stuff that i have to say kind of ends oh no really well no actually i take that back one of the things that i that i quite like is uh when they cut to because i I'm actually assuming, and I, I could be wrong, because when I was reading this stuff, I was like, it felt like the Conan pages were being written by someone that I assumed was Jim Zub. The Hulk uh, pages were written by Al Ewing. And then um, there's some, maybe it's when they come back, but there's definitely pages where suddenly it's like comedy stuff. And I'm like, okay, this kind of feels like Wade, you know, but... uh ultimately for me there was a way in which on you know it's it's always a goofy thing to say about comics on paper it all seems like a good idea uh but i just the the conan stuff was just a little too cutesy pooish you know and that's i I have a lot of problems with like conan and with superheroes in general yeah like it's it seems like a gimmick too far, which yeah. is such, again, such a dumb thing to say mm-hmm. about superhero comics. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, Howard the Duck is okay, but Conan isn't? Like, well, that's, yeah. where's the line? Right. You know? Right. No, I, I, or, or sort of more to the point, like, just 30, 20 minutes ago, we were talking about, you know, how great would it be if they crossed Star Trek, Planet of the Apes, and the Six Million Dollar Man? Sure. You know? So yeah. there's a way in which it's like, yeah, putting Conan on the Avengers or whatever is like, uh, in in theory, it should be fine. And again, part of me picked it up where I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. But, you know, it's – and part of me is like, you know, so – I don't know if you if I had mentioned this, but one of the things I really enjoyed was the most recent issue of Conan from a few weeks back, where I think you I, you said that maybe on here or maybe it's me. Yeah, or or you know, which I thought Jason Aaron had a really funny, clever idea, which is it's it's an issue in which it, it takes place around the time where Conan becomes king, 
you know. So he's finally king. He's first on the throne, finally on the throne. It's in his early days. And, of course, he's been this kind of uncivilized barbarian, and now he's, like, sitting through meetings and having to sit around in halls and, like, you know, greet noblemen. And he feel he basically feels like he's dying. And so, no joke, he literally starts sneaking out of the palace at night to start fucking people up. And what he does is he, of course, puts on a mask so no one recognizes him. So it's basically superhero Conan, you know, where he's like jumping across like, you know, buildings in the village with this sort of half death heads mask. And of course, he's got like, you know, a trained tiger with him or something. And it's unbelievably corny. And yet for me, it also worked because what's really interesting, you say superhero and what I would say is like superhero adjacent but i take that as zorro for some reason i'm like oh it's a pulp paying tribute to a pulp it well sure i mean you know there's a lot of ways to to interpret it you know i mean and you're right the the idea of you've got a nobleman who's like fighting for justice um conan is of course a really funny commentary because you know uh Conan's still sort of quote unquote doing good things. He's basically like all the thievings and rapes are down along the waterfront, but it's really just because he's jumping around and looking for fights and fucking people up, you know? And, uh, so, and it's not so much a way of him like fighting the power because he is the power. It's just, it's the way to keep himself from, 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 essentially dying of of the disease of civilization mm-hmm. and so part of me like when i picked up this conan issue i was like yeah i'll pick it up because i just for whatever reason i think stupidly you know assumed that aaron would have a hand in it you know uh because i've been following his avengers title you know uh and i was just like oh yeah no there's a little too much like you know Scarlet Witch uses a 21st century term and he's like, what is that? And she's like, never mind. And then, but later on she has to like talk about the translation spell that she uses. And, you know, meanwhile, he's like, there's, there's, there's the scene where they almost do it, but then decide not to. And they both have their reasons. And Conan, I'm like, Conan doesn't have reasons. You know what I mean? Like, you can come up with reasons. But part of me was even like, why does he have to have reasons? Is it literally because they're like, well, you know, he's a barbarian. He may not take no for an answer. All that stuff was driving me crazy. It just didn't, it did, it did not, it did not ring my bells. On the other hand, the stuff with the Hulk, where the Hulk gets this um, nightmare gem, and it's very much al ewing's hulk like and specifically it's the hulk who is talking about um destroying the human world you know and it's it's i i was i was gonna ask like i'm i'm weirdly antsy about the hulk being in in that series even though like a ewing's involved and b immortal hulk Hulk is a spin-off of avengers no surrender Right. Right? Uh, uh, yes. Something about, like, mm-hmm. just 
bringing the Hulk in now, especially considering where Immortal Hulk is. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh no. Well, you know, so I, I like hearing that it's the same Hulk, yeah, and that it ties in is like, oh, that's really interesting to me then. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. I I thought so too. Is like it ties in. He thinks about becoming. You know, essentially, what happens is, and one thing that they set up really well early on is they talk about how Krom is, you know, a god that Conan doesn't have to pray to because he doesn't need anyone's prayers. You know, Krom is just like the darkest god you can get in that you know none more black kind of way and what ends up happening is hulk is like oh i can take this power and become a creature of crom and so it's like okay so the hulk is now a servant of crom like part of me is like oh that's kind of cool like that's a big enough idea and cheesy enough but part of me is like yeah maybe if they just left conan out of it like i don't know it's just i think it's it's weird to me how much I can read two pages of a Conan book and be like, nope, not my Conan, you know, and, which is odd because it's it's not a character that I have like a real fanatic take on. I just there's times where I read it. I'm just like, yeah, no, that doesn't I'm not really much in the game for sort of glib, glib Conan, you know, or Camp Conan or whatever. And so. Although I appreciated a lot of what the stuff, what people were trying to do with this book. Um, at the same time, there was just like, there were too many scenes where it's like, and here's Conan and the blind Scarlet Witch, and they've teamed up together. They fight and kill monsters across the Hyborian desert. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> You're like, yeah, this is not, this is not, mm. uh, so uh, this obviously makes you very excited for Savage Avengers then. Well, see, this is it. When I knew Savage Avengers was coming and I was like, oh, that's total bullshit. And then of course this came along. I'm like, yeah, right. And then it was new comics day. I'm like, eh, how bad can it be? And honestly, there's a way in which I was like, meh, Al Ewing did a couple of pages on this. It'll be great. I find out later I was wrong. He did all the, Co- you know, all the Conan stuff, uh, you know. Exactly. Mark Wade did all the Hulk stuff. Yeah, totally, totally. And we're like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, completely boned that. Um, but it, yeah, it just, it, uh, it's, it's a bummer. Um, there's some other comics that actually I want to talk about. I, I, well, I want to pivot really quickly Good. Uh, because there's there's connection to what I was reading this week, which is I reread slash read all of Al Ewing's Royals, Ooh. which is, is is a human series, mm-hmm. which only lasted like a year. Right. Um. Do did you read any of this? Do you know what the the plot twist is? Uh, I do not. So it's post Death of X, and so the the Inhuman setup is, um. All Terrigen has been destroyed because mm-hmm. Terrigen, the Terrigen mist was roaming around the world, but it was killing mutants. The, there's the Death of X series and, you know, the humans and the X-Men fight because, of course, they do. And in the end, Medusa destroys the Terrigen mists. Mm-hmm. Um, and Royals basically picks up with the Inhumans going, so we're done. Mm-hmm. Like, there will be future Inhumans, but they want to powers because there's no more Terrigen mist. Mm-hmm. Um We've reached an evolutionary dead end. Mm-hmm. And Marvel Boy shows up and he's like, hi, I'm a Kree from a different reality. And in my reality, I can tell you there's more Terrigen out there. It's in space. Hmm. Like, come with me and get it. Mm-hmm. And so the the royal family, as we know them, like it's basically the, the, the Kirby, Lee Kirby in humans mm-hmm. and, and a couple of other characters go, okay, we're going to go in space. 
and they head out and it's essentially like space and humans. There's a few nice things that go on in there. One is Black Bolt is not Black Bolt. Uh, unbeknownst to the team when they leave, the Black Bolt they have with them is Maximus. Because he has swapped places with Black Bolt, which is why Black Bolt is in the Salas and Amos ser- uh, series. Mm. Hmm. And he, that gets revealed very, like, maybe by issue two. Mm-hmm. But also by issue two, you find out that Medusa's dying. Mm. Hmm. Because she destroyed the Terrigen, and basically she's now poisoned. Mm-hmm. And so she is, she is just on the way out. That's it. Like, her hair falls out, she is dying. Wow. Um, so you get this very different dynamic for these characters moving forward. Gorgon, uh, as a result of, of, uh, I think it was Death of X, might even have been before, has a broken back, so he can't use these powers either. Mm. So you have these char- familiar characters in different situations. Mm-hmm. Ewing being Ewing, it is like grand ambitious, uh, writing, storytelling. Mm-hmm. In addition to like, uh, also Ewing being Ewing, it's much more optimistic than I've just made it sound. Mm-hmm. Like much more, there is a future as opposed to there is no future. We're all dying, mm. right? Which the characters believe, but the book doesn't. Mm. Like, which is an important difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ewing being Ewing is very ambitious, and so at the same time as the story is unfolding, you're seeing a story unfolding five thousand years from now, mm-hmm. with the last inhuman on basically a decayed, dying Earth. And you don't realize who it is at first. Hmm. And I'm, I will spoil it because it's not really a spoiler. Mm-hmm. You discover after the series that it's Maximus. Hmm. By the end of the series, you discover that that story and what's happening with the regular humans is the same story. Hmm. Not even as in, you know, they're connected. They're the same story. And by the time the story finishes, those two threads interact with each other very significantly hmm. uh, in a way that I'm, I'm not going to spoil. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's one of those things where it doesn't play like an Inhumans book, despite having all the familiar characters in it. But it is just a wonderful book. It's really enjoyable. Starts off with John Boy Meyer's and art, and his art is not particularly good. But he's off the series like within two issues, mm-hmm. and by the end you've got like Javier Rodriguez in art, who is mm-hmm. who's amazing. Like it's it's Marcos Martinez. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea that like Ewing was doing this at the same time as he was also doing Rocket or at least this was being published at the same time as Rocket mm-hmm. Ultimates 2 and New Avengers wow those four books were being published at the same time really yeah and it's like you know obviously he couldn't have written them at the same time or maybe he was like maybe Al Ewing was killing himself writing all these books <laughs> at the same time um, I mean, it's worth noting that basically he went from that to writing Immortal Hulk, mm-hmm. you know, and that being his sole Marvel title with the exception of this Avengers book, mm-hmm. you know, co-writing. And I like Royals a lot, but, you know, Immortal Hulk is, is miles ahead of anything else Ewing's done for Marvel. Yeah. You know, miles and miles. It's, it's an extraordinary book. Yeah. And it does speak to the idea of like, you know, when you don't ask Al to do four books a month, you basically come up with like this amazing work. You know, this this work that, you know, is, is critically acclaimed, but I still think is somehow being underappreciated by, by yeah, people. Yeah, still somehow slept on. I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you, you know, mean. You know, like the most recent issue of Hulk is 
stunning. I thought that was great. And I have to say, one of the things I especially loved about it was I, uh, Ewing puts several story twists in there where it's like, oh, they show up for what you think is one guy and then it's the next guy. And it's, it's like, oh, Betty greets this, this person and it's not the person you think it's the other person. Like every one of those, uh, zags when I thought it was going to zig totally got me by surprise which was kind of funny like i feel like that doesn't happen that often you know it's like oh maybe one two but every one of them i felt like i was so thoroughly in the palm of ewing's hand for this that that it just it just worked and again sort of in that like talking about the resonances of of characters you know there's that page where that double page spread where the hulk is you know, talking to Doc Sampson, but really talking to the readers about how the human race has wiped, you know, is basically destroying the planet and what's so great about them anyway, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And his whole like, you know why I want to end the human world? Because maybe if I do, some of them will live. And I was like, that's re like, again, it's one of those things that's like, oh, th that's resonant to me. That really mm -hmm. does mm -hmm. land. It's, you know, I've said it before, and I'm by no means the first or only person to say it. It's Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, it utterly redefines the character to the point where anyone who even attempts afterwards to go, ha-ha, back to the classic old days, mm -hmm. it's going to be like, but no, you can't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't, because you've seen this other thing now. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's funny, uh, the Marvel solicits for... for June or out, and they're like, we've got Peter David and Dale Keown back together. <laughs> and I was like, you know what is the least interesting thing right now? <laughs> and I love the Peter David Hulk. Yes. But the idea of like going back to that mm -hmm. when you have this instead. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, you know, it's great. like, nope, nope. Anyway, sorry, that was that was my thing. Um, Royals again. I read all in Marvel Unlimited. I've done a lot of Marvel Unlimited lately. Mm. I've also caught up with on Marvel Unlimited at least the Rainbow Rowell and Chris Anka Runaway series, mm. mm -hmm. which I sampled and and it didn't work for me. And clearly, I was in a bad mood because I ripped through all the issues in Marvel Unlimited. Mm. Like it did. Maybe again, it needed to be binged, mm -hmm. but it it did work really really well for me. Uh, rereading it and I really appreciated it. Um, yeah, and I, I like I've been doing a, a bunch of Marvel Unlimited recently, which is which is nice. I feel like I hadn't for a while, mm -hmm. and I was I was having that moment of like, should I cancel this? Like, am I not getting anything out of this? Mm -hmm. But no, answer is apparently I just needed like the brain space to go. I'm just going to read a lot. Yes. Da, 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 da. Um, Jeff, what else did you read? So I mentioned, of course, reading Immortal Hulk issue 15 and quite liking it. Because we, uh, it was a drock last week. There's some older stuff that uh, I read that I know that you read and appreciated as well, like um, uh, Assassination Issue mm -hmm. One, which was tremendously fun. It's uh, great. Yeah. It's so so good. Yeah. Uh, I I also ended up liking another one of your picks, uh, Invisible Kingdom by uh, G Willow Wilson and Christian Ward. It literally just struck me. You're talking about the Hollywood Reporter newsletter. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, how else do you know I like these comics? <laughs> like, oh, that's because I recommended them there. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I loved Invisible Kingdom number one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was very. 
strong. I wouldn't go all the way to love. I don't oh, know. I, I, it helped that I, um, I'm still reading the new, uh, G. Will Wilson novel, mm-hmm. which I am adoring. Like really? it, it's really, and I, I liked her novels before this. Like yes. I think Alf is an amazingly good book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Butterfly Mask, which isn't a novel, it's her memoir, is wonderful as well. But um, the Bird King is 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 a very 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 good book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually, Jeff, I'd recommend it for you. Well, thank you. I I I would like to. Uh, I will keep that in under advisement. I have to say, I went through a period where I was reading at a good clip, and I have I have not I've not I've. I am so shockingly post-literate. It is, it's amazing. I have not picked up a book in months. Um, I go in and out these days. Mm, I, I like, you through periods where I'm like, you know, oh, I, all I have to do now, like, all I want to do is read. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, similarly, like, I go through, like, two or three months where I'm like, you know, I'll read comics or read newspapers or read, you know, anything that isn't a book. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I think that's good. I think it's good to mix it up. I definitely am a little worried about... Uh, my uh, lethargic state. I mean, I say that, but it's like, you know, there's a little bit of, I feel like I'm always playing catch up with some of the comics and some of it is just, there's, there's a lot to read. I really do have that thing of like, I'm buying comics every week. I'm still in the hole on some stuff. One thing that you had mentioned a few weeks back that scared the shit out of me was you mentioned that you'd picked up uh, copies of Vinland Saga and I was mortified by the idea because you are just you're a faster reader and also just are terrifying at going on binges. I'm like, shit, I can't have him get like nine volumes ahead of me and just be like, Jeff, you I, should totally I, read I this. I buttered out after volume four. Ah, OK. I made it to I. What did you think? Because because, vo- of course, volume four, these are still the multi volumes. Right. So that's like. Yeah, there's books like they're big. Yeah. Yeah, um, the the big I, status I quo shakeup, really, right? Really, really interesting mm-hmm. is that uh, you remember I was pretty much on the fence about volume one. Yeah, I came off that fence in volume two. Mm. Hard. Volume two really worked for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I like volume two blew me away. Wasn't it great? I agree. Um, and then like like that just faded in volumes three and four. And honestly, I don't think it's the book. Mm. I think I was honestly like I'd been reading too much mm-hmm. or that I'd started feeling like uh, an obligation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I like not like resenting is a bit strong. Right. But like I, I it stopped being fun. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like volume two really did blow my way. Volume two, I was like, holy shit. Like this, this feels so much stronger than volume one. This, this is really good. I'm really, really enjoying this. Yeah. And by the time I got to volume four, it felt like a relief. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I was like, okay, take a break. It didn't help that I got volumes two, three, and four at the library at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's like 1,200 pages of comics. Yeah, seriously. That is, I it had is. like three weeks to read. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that did feel like a marathon. Right, right. No, I love volume two, and then we talked about it, and then I sat down, and I was actually trying to figure out where I was to like today. I was like, oh, shit. And I was already halfway through volume three, but I put it down a couple of weeks ago. So I think maybe because my situation was different than yours, like I read vol- the rest of volume three and volume four today. And for me, volume four was just like, holy shit, good. You know, I mean, 
This. Yeah, I might want to, I might want to revisit to be honest because mm-hmm. I I didn't have that. Like my holy shit moment was very firmly volume two, mm-hmm. and like I was surprised by how much I was like, is this just much better or am I just in a better frame of mind? Because I was blown away by it, mm. and then by the time I got to volume four, I really was exhausted by it, and I was like, fine, what the fuck ever. Mm-hmm. Now, it, is it is it the same thing that you were talking about with one? Because is volume two more of the stuff with his dad, and you're still more no into volume that? volume no volume two worked for me because it felt like it was less of the um uh, I'm trying to think of a good way of saying this. Like volume one, the thing that I didn't like was, and I can't remember the name of the lead, lead character for the life of me, oh. Thor Thor. Thorfinn, Thor, yeah. Thorfinn, yeah. Um, Thorfinn felt like such a cliche, mm-hmm. right? And all the characters' reactions to Thorfinn felt like a cliche. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like he was like, I'm really small and angry, and I'm going to be the best. And everyone else is like, ha, 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 whatever. And then it would be like hyperviolence. Right. Right? And volume two felt like it stepped back from that. Mm. And so you had like, you know, the the, the opening where he, he gets taken in by the family. Mm-hmm. And... And when he realizes that, like, the invasion is happening, yes, he's basically trying to tell them, you have to go. Mm-hmm. You have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it takes the beats to go, this fact, like, the mother is disappointed in him. Mm-hmm. Like, she feels betrayed. And she feels, there was something about that that really, like, hit the same emotional note that the stuff with the father had in Volume 1. Mm. And it felt like Volume 2 stepped back from, like, the cliché. Mm-hmm. More of the, um, like it felt like it actually felt like the characters were were able to go through their story, mm. mm-hmm. you know, and that just worked much better for me. Mm. Uh, and I don't think it ever went back to like volume one's clicheness. Mm-hmm. I honestly think like I just burned myself out by reading too much of it. I get it. I get it. It it is a lot of comics to read and there are periods where you just need a break. I mean, that's the thing because they're double-sized volumes. They're massive. Yeah. Like they're really really long yeah, volumes. They really are. And I realize I'm like, "Oh, I'm really not very good at reading when I'm on fire, I can read four regular volumes of manga like in a in a crazed afternoon." And that would, it's basically two volumes. You know, I think I did a volume and a half today and was loving it. But at the end, it was like, Jesus Christ, when it got to the end of volume four, I was like, I need a serious fucking break. Although there's just stuff that, you know, I adored all the way through the whole, the whole change up with um, Prince Canute and the little sequence where the, <coughs> the priest is talking to him about death is just. Oh, I, oh, there's stuff in there that I just love so much. Right, and, and like, and I, um, this is why I feel like I've got to revisit it because I am honestly like, yeah, but I didn't like that didn't land for me. Wow. But I honestly, but that's just it. I honestly feel like it didn't land for me because part of me was like, I've like you know I still have 400 pages of this to read. Right. I've still got to get. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, like I don't. I'm not reading for enjoyment anymore i'm reading because like the books have to go back in two days wow yeah I can you know that. right and i i think that i felt i was distracted for want of a better way of putting it mm-hmm. and I, honestly i don't i read issue one kind of out of obligation right mm-hmm. i read issue two out of curiosity mm-hmm. and got the most out of it mm-hmm. and honestly by issues by volumes three and four 
I think I was back to obligation. And then by four, especially, I was back. I was at the state of like, I, I am I going to finish this? Fuck. <laughs> you know, and, that's, and yeah. that's, that's exactly that's not the right way to read a story. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Well, I'm sorry. It'll be interesting to see if you ever well, come back like, or not. No worries if not, you know. Well, no, but I feel like I want to revisit it. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I feel like, because I feel like I didn't give it the attention it was due. Mm. Mm, yeah. And because on volume two landed so well for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I'm like, I should just go back, but like, maybe I should get one book at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. There, there are times where it's like binge reading does does have it can it can overload you uh well, I mean, if you think of like every volume is essentially the length of a case files yeah right imagine reading three case files in three weeks yeah yeah no that's 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 a that's a pretty brutal schedule cram <laughs> you, you could have probably renewed them i would think yeah but, you know. i couldn't there's there's actually holes on them no like after. really wow yeah it was super weird i honestly was like i wonder if this is for people who heard the podcast i know right because i'm like this is not every time i read it it's all fresh and vivid and new to me but like i'll get to the end and i'll be like wow 2014 man i really slept on this you know um but uh well it'll be curious i would like to talk about batman issue 67 graham in all the ways that you would think and maybe a few ways that you wouldn't think so did you did you read it uh okay this is when i get weird that is the is that the roadrunner issue or is that it is okay because I, I honestly couldn't remember which one's Roadrunner, which one's the Catwoman issue. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like the Catwoman issue a lot. I like the Roadrunner issue a lot as well. But I, I like the Catwoman issue I liked more than I expected, I guess. Is that the issue before? Yes. Okay. I I remember thinking that was relatively okay. Um, but also... I mean, it's, it's, ending, it's no yeah. 67. No. 67 feels like, for want of a better way of putting it, King and Weeks are like... Our last one, one is an Eisner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, no, there's 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 a lot of stuff that's that I think is going on. And some of it is like I joked on Twitter about how I felt like King was like totally trolling us, you know, because he took basically a month off, two issues of Batman off, and then comes back with a story that is only really has dialogue on like two pages and the rest of the time it's just onomatopoeia you know um but i think it's i thought it was really of course part of me is like you know it's like he gives us the gift of like lee weeks just getting a full issue to cut loose and i I mean it's it's amazing it's like lee weeks just fucking showing off yeah yeah no exactly there's stuff and and one of the things that really knocked me on my ass is there's just that you know, is sort of the way that, that King has structured it with weeks of like, it's called all the way down. And it is, and there was a point, there's that great shot where the quote unquote roadrunner hits the fire escape, you know, <laughs> and um, it kind of clangs, but he, the, the shot is from, you know, the other side of the fire escape uh, balcony. So it's all just, it's that character. But it's all these um, vertical lines and realizing how much Weeks is taking his panel shapes like uh, like it's all to keep 
moving you like your eyes supposed to move down the page anyway but to take that and just the way that he plays with vertical panels to create that sense of movement and and literally falling down the page is is wonderful the velocity that he brings and builds to it for the, in his pacing i just i i you know that was fabulous and then the weird third part is kind of the way in which uh i think king for a script where i i again like sort of felt like some funny trolling had a weird had some weird meta for me you know because you clearly he of course builds in it's this weird uh semi-sequel in a way to his batman fud series with the same characters from porky's popping up uh but also of course this crazy ass um did you get the 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 roadrunner connection like much earlier on or was it only kind of at the end or because um well it, i i knew it going in uh, i'd i'd seen someone make a maybe maybe even king make a reference to it being the sequel to the the bugs bunny comic mm. uh and and someone had made some reference to like beep beep mm. so yeah i i like i i knew it going in which is a shame mm-hmm. because honestly i think if i didn't i probably would have got it by like the second beep beep yeah. yeah, which yeah. is like page like six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think otherwise it would have been like, what's with the beep beeps? Yeah, right. Well, there there is there is something that is uh, yeah, the beep beeps are are pretty funny when you have that suspicion, and then by the time of course they crash into Porky's, you're like, oh oh, it's kind of there's a little bit of the oh god, don't tell me he's going there, but. One, the two other places that I thought of, and I didn't, I don't know if you noticed it or thought of it as well, but there's a real strong Eisner's The Spirit vibe in mm-hmm. this particular issue. Isn't there, there's, there's a story that has the spirit chasing, I think, the octopus, and it's all just sound effects, right? Does that sound familiar, or is that just I'm not making I, that up? Uh, uh, there's definitely a story where he's chasing someone. I don't think it's the octopus, but maybe I'm wrong. Okay. It, he's chasing someone, and it's it's and it's it, it is all silent, right? Yeah, it's it's almost all silent except for maybe, like I said, sound effects. Like because of course the prevalence of all the sound effects in there. And then the other thing I thought of, weirdly enough, is uh uh Bernie Krigstein's Master Race. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because that's a story that is about a chase and a pursuit. But it is also it's Kriegstein playing with verticality and I'm mm-hmm. sorry, horizontally, horizontality, I suppose, instead of the verticality you have here. And so I was like, huh, there's some really like the the meta on that is was really interesting to me. And of course, the the only part where I get a little weirded out or disappointed is trying to think about like, how the fuck is this issue even going to fit into like, it sort of seems like it breaks the rules, the loose rules, even as they're set up of the nightmare stories, I suppose. Well, it feels like it should have come earlier, Mm -hmm. right? Because everything else has featured more and more self-awareness. Yes. 
right? And then you have this, and there's no self-awareness. Well, or the ultimate self-awareness, right? Okay, unpack that. What do you mean the ultimate self-awareness? Well, the, the ultimate self-awareness is, is that this is Batman coming to the realization that he's a comic book character and can't die. Hmm. I see. I died. That passed me by entirely. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the part where I was like, I hope that it's not going that way. But it uh, but the way that it's it the because it happens here where it is and all the meta points to you have, you know, Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote are this, you know, they're always in a chase. They always, you know, and it and it's eternal. It's perpetual and they don't change. Neither one ever truly dies because, you know, they're just cartoon characters. And the idea mm -hmm. that this is the this, this will be the, you know, sort of the turning point to how Batman manages to get himself out of his um inescapable trap i can't imagine that that is going to be the case but at the same yeah, time that, I that was strikes like, me as very unlikely yes but well if it goes like it breaks the comic well yeah but so i don't know how to how to say it other than to say like he's going to that realization will be cloaked but the meta of it is is what the meta is i suppose you know <laughs> what i mean like thematically that's the point that's the realization it gets described in some other terms or something but um you know it's funny we were talking about the matrix earlier and uh the sequels and how frustrating it was and i remember at the god where was it i think it was the end of the second matrix movie where neo is outside the matrix but then ends up showing or maybe it's the third the beginning of the third he basically ends up having superpowers outside of the matrix and there's this whole convoluted explanation by one of i think the elders of zion as to why that would be the case that sounds a lot like um you know oh well there's the force you know what i mean but it's clearly the everyone was thinking that the whole point of the matrix was that they were, you know, that what Neo thought was the real world was of course, another matrix. I don't know if you remember all that sort of stuff. It was around the same time. Everyone's like, yeah, Neo's not really human. He's a program, you know, and all this other stuff that, that the Wachowskis allude to and tease but also don't fully follow through and so there's this weird like wet cardboard feel to the mythology like in the by the time you get to the end of the movies where you're like what the what the fuck were they thinking that well, that didn't work but but also having that awareness of them being like well we can't really fully say like I felt like the, the particularly in the way the second film keeps pointing to the outside of the box, it's very much supposed to be a no. See, this is a fictional construct. See, I'm pointing to the edges of the screen. Exactly. Do you see this? Yes, exactly, exactly. And so there's a way in which part of me again, we'll see where it goes. I mean, this is just me talking, but needless to say, I was fascinated by just like 
what a beautifully drawn and incredibly well-told issue it was that I thought was great. At the same time, it's King like potentially going down the road of me being like, oh, dude, don't go down this road kind of thing. So, <laughs> Yes, this is not what we want, honest. <laughs> <laughs> I see I- I don't. I don't think he. I don't like. I just don't believe that's the end, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that's that's where he's going. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like that didn't occur to me. So I could just be horrifically off base either way. You know, as I said, would that, my worry was that I would bring this up and you'd be like, "Oh, Jeff, no, I've already read the next issue and it's blah 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 blah." No, 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 no. That I've. I, you're up to date as with as up to date as I am. Ah, well, that's fabulous. I will. Enjoy that feeling for the next, I don't know, four or five days or however long it lasts. Um, uh, yeah, so I think that really kind of covers it. There's other things I found sort of semi on the like I'm reading Naomi. So I picked up issue three of that. And that is a book that's Bendis and David Walker writing. And yep. I try to make it basically the stuff that I think that i like i like to pretend as walker but like actually in issue three there's a scene that's a confrontation between naomi and her parents that really really gets dragged out in a way that makes me think a that it was bendis but b that it also kind of worked at the length that it was set at um Mm -hmm. and also by the time i got to the last page i was like uh no i don't know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're much more up to date than I am. I've only read issue one or two, oh. and I really like. It. I'm 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 a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for some for some reason, Jeff, I've been reading very old Marvel comics, and not I'm not up to date in DC comics right now. What the hell, Graham? What a what a reversal we have! And what, I'm like, what have I been doing? Mm-hmm. What am I playing at? Um, I'm I'm looking up the name of this book right now because mm-hmm. uh, I talking about things I got at library. I, I read Bloom. By Kevin Panetta and Savannah uh, Gancho. Hmm. Did I tell you about this? This is another book I got at library just because literally it was there. Mm. Um, it's lovely. Yeah. Did I tell you about this last time? Because I feel like I read it like a few weeks ago, and I'm I'm honestly going, when was the last time we talked? Since we did a podcast, right? Exactly. I, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Tell me, definitely tell me. I, I'm literally going to look up the, the show notes for the last episode because I am having amazing deja vu that I brought up and I'm like, I must have told you about this before. Um, it's not, I'd love, I, I love the idea that like I have deja vu of telling you about comics. Yes. Yeah. You just, uh, you had the dream, you dreamed, you dreamed a dream and that dream came true. Uh, I <laughs> should, <laughs> I should also mention, and this is the weirdest thing that it's not showing up in my list of, of stuff that I know that I read in comiXology. But um, the second volume of, is it Wandering Island? Beautiful Island? God damn it. Why? It's like, I literally just read this goddamn thing. Uh, did I not have it in this app? Was it in something else? Assassination, Blah, Outer Darkness, Finland Saga. Damn it. Yeah. I, it, anyway, it's this manga that came out, volume one came out like, by Dark Horse a million years ago. And I I literally, you know, was like waited for three years for the next volume. Wandering Island, uh, which is by Kenji uh, Suruta. And uh, it 
came out from Dark Horse, it, uh, edited by the, uh, you know, American manga legend Carl Gustav Horn. And I waited forever for this thing, and it was great in the afternotes because it's 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 pretty slight. It's like only 173 pages. Ends in media res, and they're like, "Hey, we're, we actually waited so long for this volume for for enough to be collected that we were actually caught off guard when volume two was released in Japan. We literally had had been waiting for so long, and we're now actually publishing something else by Surata uh, Emanon, which is so." Enjoy Eminon, and at some point, um, maybe we'll get around to doing Volume 3, which I'm just like, <laughs> why are you killing me? Um, it's very, if, if, you like, if you like Miyazaki movies, it is very much uh, a Miyazaki movie by someone who's a little bit pervier. So it's about a girl who's got an airplane delivery service out at sea. Uh, and runs among these series of islands and ends up with a package that she needs to deliver to the mysterious electric island, which is just a rumored myth of an island that moves uh, among the ocean waves. And who, she finds out later her father was trying to discover it when he was alive and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, volume two, volume one is her looking and prepping and trying to find the island and coming close and and not quite and her plane being destroyed and three years basically pass in the course of it and then volume two is her actually making it onto the island and what happens to her there and it's a very slow-paced manga but it is it's beautiful to look at um it's really funny to me how much because she basically, because she's on a seaplane and she's out at sea, half the time she's running around in a bikini. And that it is just like, I don't know how to describe it. I joke about it being pervy, but honestly, it almost feels more like this is a dude who really likes drawing the female body. So because she's sort of clothed, but in a way that's like, you know, it's almost as if he's sort of drawing her nude, but not in in a life drawing way if you know what i'm saying not a yeah. image way and then what sort of confirms that is there's a scene where she actually when she takes off her clothes and actually gets naked and go and bathes in one scene at night he draws her you know as if he's like three and a half miles away she's just this little shape that you cannot make out any you know any uh, any of the details and once she puts on the clothes it's suddenly uncomfortably close to you know her armpit again i think he's got an armpit thing anyway it was a it was a very enjoyable volume um and uh and i should also mention that a friend of the podcast miguel corti was uh in town for gdc um and he brought me some manga and so i oh you'll be happy what did you what are you reading well, uh, I actually flipped through uh, the, he, he was kind enough. Some of this stuff is, is like from like a year or two ago and he forgot to give it to me. The one that I came closest to enjoying is the, the comic. I think it's big, big comics. It's the comic that has, he picked it up for me because of course, GoGo13 is in it. Um, but he, GoGo is literally the last eight pages and there's like, or 
10 pages. There's like 280 pages before it wow. of just various stuff. There's like, there's a jet fighter manga. There's a, you know, salary woman manga. I mean, she's, you know, it's, there's two historical mangas, at least one of which is mostly comedic. There's one music manga called, what was it? It, it should be called hipster. The manga it's it's got a it's got a name. They really play it up. Blue Giant Supreme, which is about a guy who's apparently a jazz drummer. Um eh, and and basically oh so much more. And of course I can't follow the story, but what's great is oh, and there's this one that was what is it, Aquatic Hunter Ocean Adventurer Katai. And Oh my God, the drawing in it is so good for me. Like, it's just a guy who's, what I find really interesting is, especially as you know, Vinland Saga looks gorgeous, but it's also very much like, um, you know, it's, he's got assistants, there's just, and everything's just drawn beautifully, but it's also very, you know, in a, a technically amazing kind of way. And this book really runs the gamut of like some of the some of the strips are just honest to good cartooning like Ocean Adventurer Katai. I swear to God is just a guy drawing it all in pen. Um, and so his use of blacks are just fabulous. It, he looks like he's just drawing stuff practically on the fly. You can see how he's using the pen like you can just see the inks on the page and it's, it's got a real, like there's parts where I'm like, Oh man, this totally looks like Alex Toth or Gil Kane. Like there's just some amazing shots of, of just cartooning, you know, that are fabulous. Oh, there was an amazing story that I swear to God, of course there's a, a baseball manga, but the it's literally with the Oakland A's in it. And I'm like, what? Yeah, it's. It, I was like, their shirts say Oakland, and then it says a, their hats are A's. I'm like, this is the Oakland A's. Like, this can't be right. Except their 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 big game is against the Cleveland Fairies. I'm like, <laughs> does it say fairies on their shirt? It says fairies. The Cleveland Fairies. What I is going love on? That yeah, so much. It's it's so much amazing. So, um, I, you know, I won't regale everyone, but basically it's like I flipped through, thank God. Um, I also flipped through Young Jump, which is the Shonen Jump for, for the for young people, for, for the older, weirdly enough, no, Young Jump is for the, is for the olds, or at least it's where Golden Kamai gets, uh, serialized in and it's got like, um, Actually, is this the one or is it the other volume? The, it's one of the two manga that has like photos of girls in bikinis in the opening section, you know? So, I mean, yeah, young, young is for old. And that's actually very enjoyable, too. Although it's also amazing how much it's like basketball manga, salary woman manga. Oh, yeah. Each volume has a golf golfing manga. Like it was just... <laughs> It's just great. It was great. I, I love I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Golfing manga in particular. I'm like, um, so I've looked up Bloom and apparently I didn't talk about it last time, which is so strange because I swear to God, I have like weirdly strong memories of telling you about this. Mm -hmm. Um it is basically a young adult uh romance book. 
uh, slash coming of age book mm-hmm. about a kid uh, whose parents own a bakery. And he, you know, he wants to leave town and get, you know, move to the big city and, 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 you know, become a band, like, join a band and be hip. And then this, this guy who is just split off from his boyfriend comes into town and gets a job at the bakery because he really loves baking. But I, you know, there's never, it's this wonderfully subtle, understated romance, I hmm. think is what I really appreciate about it. Because you can never tell you know, who is crushing on who mm-hmm. and how much is platonic, which feels very true to life, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're clearly close and they clearly have feelings, but what are the feelings they have for each other? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's so, I mean, it's a long book. It, mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it's over 300 pages at least. Um, and it's, it's very much about the, it's not a like it's so light a story that it's a very quiet book. Mm. That it's very still. There's a lot of space in there. Everything takes its time, hmm. and it's just wonderfully enjoyable because of that. The art, in particular, by Savannah uh, Gancho is is lovely. It mm. looks stunning. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you know young adult queer romances are everyone's bag or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I literally picked it up at the library because I was like, this is pretty. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the library and it's going to cost me nothing, you know? Um, <laughs> and it, I, it was lovely. It was such a really delightful little book. Mm. Um, it's a first, second book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it came out, apparently it only came out at the beginning of this year. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I would be curious what you would make of it hmm. because so much of what I liked about it, part of me was like, it feels like manga. Mm-hmm. You know, it, feel, it feels like this is a manga book. Yeah. And so I, I'd be really curious for your take on it, for you to be like, it's really not. You know, it, it's like, uh, there are cert- it's certainly manga influenced, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, definitely. The, the yeah. book, but also, like, the book ends with A, a playlist, <laughs> uh, and B, the sourdough starter recipe that ah, they refer to. Of course. Of course. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I really, I, I'm really curious for you to read it, and a whether you like it or not, but b how much of it is actually manga influenced, as opposed to how much do I, a manga neophyte, thinks is manga influenced but actually isn't. I, you know, it, it's the, it's the neophytes leading the neophytes. I'd love to check it out. It sounds oh, great. Oh, you've read infinitely more than me, Jeff. Uh, well, yeah, that's true, but I, I mean. I don't, I, and I don't mean that in any sort of, well, of course, Graham, but I mean like, yeah, no, I mean, that is clearly true, but I still feel like it is such a drop in the bucket to some of the people, um, who I, people who I follow now on Twitter, people who went through their manga phase at the height of the scanlation craze and was like, just like, yeah, boy, I remember reading all 370 volumes of, you know, you know blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Exactly. So, whereas I'm like, yes, I'm very excited that I have more volumes of Vinland Saga. Did I tell you, you know, DC had some crazy... Oh, no. Uh, after I said that, that Comixology Unlimited had stopped issuing coupons... Um, they issued a DC coupon? They, they issued a coupon that was like, take this much off of your next order. And I was like, son of a bitch, I'm getting the C- Secret Society of Supervillains Volume 2 for a big discount. Um, 
Sorry, no, I, it's it's classic stuff. I know. By classic, I mean really <laughs> shitty. But I love it. I genuinely love it. But it's not good comics. No, I know. I as someone who read the first volume and was impressed at how how mostly terrible it was. I was like, why am I doing this to myself? And the answer is, I had incredibly fond memories of reading Volume One in all of its awfulness. So, yeah, mm. yeah, that's. I, 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 I want to say this very quickly because normally we tell people about things that are happening after they've happened. Yes. Um, March 30th, which is a week today as we record this, or next Saturday as you listen to this, DC Universe is free if you're looking for Batman content. Yes, right, which is hilarious because I got the email and it was literally like, celebrate Batman Day by joining DC Universe. And then they had a screenshot, which was like, all of our shows and books free for Batman Day. And I'm like, why do you want me to? But, you know, it was that classic, like, the, they were telling me one thing, but they were trying to get me to do the other thing, which is ignore the free day. Sign up now. Sign up. Make sure you've joined for a year yes. before you're on Batman Day. So, Yeah. Anyone who's interested in saving money, don't. Uh, on March 30th. Actually, no, that's not true. I think it might be March 29th. March 29th through April 6th. If you sign up, the first month is 80 cents. Really? 80 cents. Yeah. Uh, you know, I after that, it goes back up to the regular price, which is $8. Mm-hmm. Um, but 80 cents for a month is pretty good. And honestly, you can probably, by that point, get to the end of Doom Patrol. <laughs> right, right. Um or Titans, if that's what you want to watch, or Young Justice, if that's what you want to watch. Yeah. And there is a good selection of uh, comics there. Yeah, yeah. Now, if nothing else, there's all 50 issues of Secret Origins from the 80s. Yes, I saw that when you were t- posting them on the Tumblr, and I was like, oh, that actually is, like, kind of the, like, okay, now now, now you're talking DC. Exactly. Now, now, you've, now you've got some stuff. Yeah, now you're um, doing it. Jerry Ordway's Shazam series from the 90s as well. Also a very smart choice. Um, I was yeah, actually like, they've got stuff there where you're like, you know, honestly for eighty cents, mm-hmm. yeah, sign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, I will keep that. I will. I will. I will uh, bookmark that um, mentally, uh, which is to say, I will probably forget. Uh, hmm, Graham, I have to say, I'm like, we talked about comics. We talked about news. Oh, should we talk about some of the other news? I feel like we skipped very, tread very lightly on the, it's like, oh, ha, 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 Marvel, you card. But I I feel like we didn't talk about the whole news about um, Abwa comics or whatever the hell it's called. Artists, writers, and artisans. You know a comic company is going to be a success when its name has the word artisans in it. <laughs> Bill James is back, everyone, and he's here with Axel Londo to prove that neither of them know what's going to sell in a comic company. Man, it is amazing how much the the initial lineup was like, you know, if like we have so many quote unquote hot takes, many of which resemble like I really had that moment of like, I'm glad that Matt Turrell like tricked us into reading those Angel Punisher issues because now I'm prepped for Archangel 8, you know, like I really was like, you guys had a, what? What like, is happening? You've done this and it was bad the first time. Yeah. Why, why are we doing it again? Well, yeah. Holy moly. That is, um, yeah, they're, they're, let's see, I'm going to try and find the, the lineup. Like even the, even the fact that, you know, um, 
Ennis, who they have on as some sort of executive consultant or might be writing the books or whatever, is is the this the the whole bad mother uh, comic. Just oh yes, you know so, what so I mean? here here are so we should actually give some context. Bill James and Axel Alonso are two of the three principals in a new company called Artist Writers and Artisans. Uh, it has a creative like council, mm-hmm. um, which are is honestly like Alonzo's favorite Marvel people. Yeah. Reginald Hudland, um, Garth Ennis. Yeah. Uh, who are the others? Who are J. The others Michael now? Straczynski. Straczynski. Yeah, yeah. J. Michael Straczynski's in there. And um, Margaret Stoll and Greg Hurwitz, mm-hmm. like all of whom worked for Marvel when, when Alonzo was there. Here are their launch titles. American Ruinin by Peter Milligan and ACO about highly trained operatives of huge corporations. It features a man in sunglasses. The cover is man in sunglasses uh, on a uh, chair with a smoking gun, and it says "Business is war." Oh shit! There's bad mother featuring a suburban mother, a suburban mother searching for Mrs. Her missing daughter, which is a suburban mother with a semi-automatic weapon standing in her kitchen, looking pissed off, and it says "Baking bad." <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. There's Frank Cho's Fight Girls, mm-hmm. but Warriors vying for the title of Queen of the Galaxy. There's Archangel 8. Even gods need plausible deniability <laughs> about an angel who has semi-automatic weapons. It's just, what the fucking fuck shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I loved was the comics beat announced all that stuff, and I don't know if you saw Hibbs' comment. Um, no, <laughs> Brian Hibbs. So here's Brian Hibbs's comment uh, a, a, about this after they run the sort of PR heavy. Here's your cover shots and everything. Uh, Bill Jemis is one of the single most worst people in comics, a man who set Marvel Comics down on the path that is destroying the comics industry today. He is a bully and a thug who did nothing but step on people. And he's the reason I had to sue Marvel Comics for breaking their terms of sale parentheses i won because he has zero respect for any retailer his last attempt at publishing parentheses double take comics crashed and burned hard and if there is justice in this universe this one will too it's a small number of people who should be run out of comics by any means necessary bill Jameis is at the tippity top of that list well Doing well, Brian. <laughs> yeah, part of me is like, yeah, the classic. Tell me how you really feel. But I also sort of love the fact of like, okay, the, he, if nothing else, if Brian's if Brian's opinion is shared throughout the comics industry, it does perhaps suggest that AWA will have a bit of an uphill battle. Uh, and AWA is going to have an uphill battle battle in general. Because, come on. Because, well, yes. I mean, I don't know. I mean, part of me is, I, I think that that lineup is is lamentable and weak. But, you know. it's. Th- I mean, it's terrible. Like, the closest thing they have to a, what, popular writer uh, or artist is ACO. Yeah, right. Probably, mm-hmm. Right? Uh, American Ronin proves that Peter Milligan will write anything. Bad Mother is uh, – also, the thing that's interesting is, uh, with the exception of the Frank Cho book and American Ronin, uh, the other two books don't have any artists attached. Yes. No, it uh, it almost looks like nothing more – like, particularly Bad Mother looks 
like a promotional uh, piece. Like it, it is a promotional. Piece. Well, I mean, sorry, not just a promo piece, but almost the proof of concept piece. Like they were yep. just like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. we have nothing other than this one piece of art. Also, yeah. the New York Times, which broke the story, had a had a, a really, honestly, a confusing story, um, because they they say that basically the creators it's company owned right it's a shared superhero universe even though none of the characters are superheroes right so i, I think they just mean shared universe um but it's company owned but the creators get financial like to have a financial stake in it right and they never explain that no which is the most interesting part to me is like what do you mean by a financial stake right exactly is that just like is this the image model? Right. Like is this is this a Marvel model and they just get paid bonuses? Right. Exactly. Like, like what is what does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No. But um. Yeah. It's it. I mean it's 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 bad. <laughs> yeah. You know it's it it's they honestly look like books that make you go, wow! Didn't CrossGen have some good ideas? You know, honestly, CrossGen kept it going for a while. Part of me really – it's amazing how much of it it reminds me of back – like I, I don't think that the execution was great, but I did feel like when Gemis came in, there was a lot of like let's throw shit at the wall and see what sticks. And part oh, of yeah. me, it was like – I was not opposed to the idea of Marvel doing you, a tennis a romance I re- comic. I remember. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. There's a lot of stuff there that I was like, I'm willing to give this a try. Some of it wasn't great. Some of it was surprisingly good, you know. And But at least there was kind of a thing of – and I remember reading a few articles with Bill Jemis, and there was a certain amount of him thinking that he could uh, – that, that because he wasn't part of the comics industry, that he was happy to think outside the box. You know, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, let's do let's do a romance comic. You know, then they would fuck it up by like, let's give it to Mark Miller. But, you know, they at least they were like, yeah, let's uh, sure. You know, I, you say that, but I, I obviously wasn't you, but someone it might be Matt Terrell, actually. Someone yeah. suggested that. um we revisit the year in review book that Marvel put out. Oh yeah, yeah, Matt, for like two thousand one. And Jeff, <laughs> you know, there there is nothing that is aged worse than that book. Oh, Not, nothing. Yeah, I know. Literally nothing. I, I it, is, it is a cursed document. It is. It's a cursed object. Um. Yeah. You know, I'm still kicking myself because. Hibbs had gotten a copy free and he was like, okay, I put it on my shelf. Of course it didn't sell. And after two years, he's like, do you want that? I'm like, I'm not giving you money for that. He's like, no, just take it. Do you want it? Just take it. And I flipped through it. I'm like, this just looks like garbage. And he's like, oh, it is. It's just all trash. It's just trash in a hardcover. And I'm like, mm. I didn't do it. And I still sometimes, particularly because, because Matt's like, we should read this. I'm like, fuck, I, I, I could have had a free copy of that, you know? So I, I can tell you here, you're like, Oh, I could have, had, Oh man. Um, it's, but it, it, I mean, that's, that's the thing that reminded me. Cause I had thankfully mm-hmm. forgotten about, um, was it bad girls for good guys or whatever it was called? Oh, do you remember? Yes. Like, yeah. 
the thing basically Bill Zerba says, we just want to make comics for guys to masturbate over. Yeah, completely, completely. This was the only thing that he was – remember the whole like at one point they had the Chuck Austin's Electra issue that was the – the uh, oh, yeah, it's the one issue that he did where he didn't put in any – he didn't put panties on Electra and we weren't going to release it. You know, we had to like, you know, have them colored in when it went to press. But then we're like, why not release it as a special black and white one shot for, you know, variant for people to pick up? And I was like, you skanky motherfuckers. Like, that's the shit that they were doing with that. The whole like. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeesh. Yeesh, as you would say. Uh, and just did. Yeah, no. So anyway, yes, Bill Jameis returning to comics. Like, part of me is like, can't we get someone else? Like, because, you know, someone who I, I do think that comics need people outside comics who are willing to look at it in a different way. I have to say his horrible, uh, poorly drawn, um, you know, Night of the Living Dead verse comics that uh that flopped was that the one that was uh that was double take that yeah was double, double take. take yeah so i remember reading one of those issues and of course it was done in like sort of bad motion comics kind of way sort of you know like it's, i mean no not really bad but i mean at least in the sense of you're clicking the panels online to get the move and people are changing their positions like here i am walking you know Parts of it, I was like, oh, that part was kind of like there was some kids hanging out like uh, at at a lake smoking weed or something like that. And just the way they did some of the stuff, I was like, it was just little fragments where I was like, there's there's almost something here. And then, of course, it just, you know, turned into hot garbage. But anyway, that's my take on Bill Jameis. There's there's almost almost something there. And then it turns into hot garbage. So, <laughs> oh man, yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any like I. There, I don't think there's been any other big news, has there? Ah, uh, uh, uh. Well, there's Frank Thierry, of course, Thierry Gate, but oh god, like, let's not. Yeah, exactly. Let, really, let let's just let all of that just sink into the fucking mire where it, <laughs> where it belongs. Yeah. No, I don't think so, Graham. I don't think so. And I think I think maybe we've got ourselves like our, our first. I, comp- I compact like two hour episodes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We're we're gonna we're gonna finish it up right around two hours. Whew. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to look. We're not fucking this up. I'm going to tell everyone that's going to be show notes for this episode about weightwellpodcast.com. I'm going to tell everyone that we have an Instagram, instagram.com forward slash weightwellpod. I'm going to tell everyone that we have a Tumblr, weightwellpod.tumblr.com, and that we have a Twitter account at weightwellpodcast. I'm going to tell everyone that your Twitter account is at lazybastid, at L-A-Z-Y-B-S-T-I-D, and that my Twitter account is at M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And then I'm going to say that we have a Patreon account so that you can get into that. We're not going to screw this up, Jeff. Let's go. Oh, that reminds me. No, I'm kidding. I, I <laughs> actually the one thing I did want to add, although hopefully people saw it on the on our website and I mentioned it uh, on our Twitter we're feed. We're on Spotify. We're on Spotify. Um, some people, namely my wife, complained that she could never get the the web player browser to work. 
you know, that for whatever reason, she, you know, she wouldn't subscribe through iTunes. But like when I was like, well, just go to the RSS feed. Anyway, never worked. And she's like, you should put it on Spotify because Spotify works for me. So you're welcome, Edie. Uh, and hopefully the rest of you will get some mileage out of it, too. We're we're kind of excited because they do at least make things easy. Um, and other people who make things easy uh, are wonderful listeners like you listening right now. You managed to keep us um, motivated and uh, hepped up and, and able to talk about all kinds of comic stuff, even in a week like this, where we either read the things that we liked until we didn't like them anymore or watched the movies that we didn't like until we liked them much less. So uh, we're actually incredibly grateful that uh, you managed to keep us uh, going uh, with your support and uh, the fact that every once in a while we'll get a little tweet from someone who's like, hey, I listened to a bunch of your episodes while I was trapped in a burning building and um, it kept me from fearing death. You know, which is, I mean, admittedly sort of a double-bladed compliment in a way. But, you know, still manages to perk up our spirits. And the fine people at Patreon also know how to perk up our spirits by throwing us a little bit of the old uh, cosmic coin. I really need to go back to that amazing list someone sent me of all the, the fictional um, science fiction currencies. I, oh, my God. Yes, please. That is so good. Anyway, yes, thank you for the ducats. Um, with the ducats managed to help keep us uh, motivated and feel like we're on the right path and um, help us overcome our uh, ridiculous amounts of um, self-consciousness, which, as you know, are practically monumental. Uh, so, yes, thank you all. Super thanks to Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, to whom we're especially grateful for her continuing support of this podcast. And... This little nick of space that we call. This is where I should get the 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 Battlestar Galactica opening. You know where it's um. What's his Jeff name? has a plan. L- no, no. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, no, no. The first one with Lauren Green, where he's like a shining planet called Earth. Anyway, Graham. I'm going to very quickly ask Jeff. Did you read the oral history of Battlestar Galactica book? No, I would love to, though. Oh, it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you read the, the oral history of Star Trek? There was like two books? Uh, no, and I would also love that. It's the same people who did that. They did mm-hmm. a Battlestar Galactica book this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's called So Say We All. And it's great. It's really, really fun. Not least of all for the discovery that the original Cylon outfit in the 70s one uh-huh. uh, was apparently A, incredibly fra- fragile, B, very difficult to move in, and C, very difficult for people to see in. And so apparently all the shots of Cylon have to be really shorter because the stuntmen in the suits kept falling over and breaking the costume. Oh, man, that's fabulous. Wow. I got to say, they they kind of they did a great job of moving exactly like that. Like you read that and you're like, that's amazing. And also the least surprising thing ever. Exactly. You're like, I believe that <laughs> that seems entirely right. Thank you. I know it's a super, it's a super fun book. Uh, it, it really is exactly what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And also will make you want to watch Battlestar Galactica again. Mm-hmm. It's funny. So I highly recommend that for everyone who did see, read the, the two Star Trek books, which are also great really really good really in depth um if you like those books you should check out the Battlestar Galactic book thank you 
Thank you. I, uh, those are great recommendations. I will think about checking all of those out. With that, we're done. Yeah, we are. We're not, and we're, next week's a skip week, so uh, we will see you guys in April. Uh, <laughs> you seem so confused. In April? Yeah, I said that. I'm like, that really? That technically sounds huh? right, but it sounds wrong, too, at the same time. Well, here's the thing. Like, next week is a skip week, but, you know, a week on Monday is April already. Yeah, that's true. I think that's part of why I'm like, maybe it's May? Like, part of me is like, yeah. Anyway, listen for uh, listen for us around uh, the 7th or the 8th uh, of April. Let's put it that way. And uh, we will be back to amaze your ears with um, more ridiculous uh, theories and unsolicited opinions. Um, and, and then after that, we've got Drock. So... Uh, so we really better get reading more Jersey Seriously, I was thinking that at least three times today. I was like, shit, I wonder if I should start reading that case file. I'm like, I'll start tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> oh, Jeff. <laughs> Listeners, thank you so much for listening. But what I really want to say is, 